Can friendship be bought? I really hope so, because it says in the Talmud, buy yourself a friend. My name is Rabbi Yitzwine, and I'm the Rabbi of Young Israel, Asia of Las Vegas. Welcome to the Life is Great podcast. So it is a remarkable thing. In the Talmud, it says, Kone Haver. And we're going to continue our discussion on friendship and what exactly it is, how to get a good friend, how to keep a good friend. Today we're talking about, can a friendship really be bought? So technically, people will say, oh, wait a second. If you want to translate the Hebrew accurately, kone haver means acquire yourself a friend, but it really does mean buy yourself a friend. That's really what it is. And the I think the first point in true friendship is to understand that a good friend is so important that one should literally look for a friend, shop for a friend, and identify a friend, and then do whatever it takes to get that friend and keep that friend. The Talmud puts it in the terms of right? That the friendship or death. Like literally, a person that does not have a good friend is almost, they're walking with an element of death in their life. You know, that we always mentioned that loneliness was the very first emotion that was mentioned in the Torah. And not in a good way. It's not good for man to be alone. And friendship really is the primary way to alleviate that feeling of loneliness. So I want to talk about why is it that you buy a friend? So again, you know, I think there are a lot of people I know that they, they you say, oh, you know, how'd you become friends? Well, we were roommates in college. We worked together, met him at the tennis club. And it was really kind of an accident that they became friends. They just started hanging out with each other. And then very often friends like that, you have multitudes of complaints against, you know, person, you know, didn't keep confidentiality. Person's not ever, they're so reliable. The person is like, they speak badly about others. Well, hold on. Who says that person has to be your friend? If a person stops and takes this seriously, they say, friendship is one of the most important things in my life. And if it's going to be one of the most important things in my life, I have to treat it like it's one of the most important things in my life. So in the same way that I would acquire something, that anything that was of great value, you know, I would spend time shopping for you, right? You're not, the first car you buy, if you're going to buy a car, which is generally people's second most expensive purchase after their house, you're going to test drive it. Test drive the car first. You'll look it up and, you know, Kelly's Blue Book, you're going to look it up and you're going to look up the, you know, do the consumer reports on it. You'll compare with three other cars, right? And then you get it home and then, you know, with the, then you're home with your purchase. And then you buy the car because you figure out what's important to me. And then you investigate, does the car have that quality? And then you say, is it worth the price I'm going to pay? And that's how you buy it. Same thing with a friend. What is important to me? Does the person have those qualities? And what's the cost for that friendship? Now, I think a lot of times when we talk about buying a friend, we're, we're going to come to the most important qualities you should search out in a friendship. But first, let's go back to that that issue of the, the whole concept of what's the morality about buying a friend? I, I think a lot of people hear a quid pro quo, you know, you do for me, I do for you, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. There's something that leaves a bad taste in people's lives about that. 
So just to address that issue in regards to friendship, many years ago, I was I was raising money for a, uh, there was a very important Jewish communal project and and we needed to raise a lot of money to, to get this thing off the ground. Um, and we did, thank God. But I, I went to a fellow and I was speaking with him and I, I asked him, why do you give to charity? And his answer blew me away. He goes, Rabbi, he did, he did not flinch. He goes, Rabbi, I give in order to get. And I had never heard anyone say it like that before. I said, well, like you give in order to get. Okay. Like most times you say, why do you give to charity? They go, oh, I like the cause. I like the person who's asking me. I do it in memory of, 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 my, of my family. I do it because I want to bring goodness in the world. This guy, I give in order to get. When I walked away from the meeting, I kind of reflected. I went, I, I went and I, I went over to somebody's house and I, um, I brought them a mezuzah. And a mezuzah is something we, we put on the doorposts of Jewish homes. And uh, a mezuzah costs like $55 to buy, right? It takes about an hour for a scribe to write on very uh, particular parchment. And um, so it costs the synagogue like $55. And, but I don't just like go to the house and put the mezuzah on the doorpost. I go, I open it up, I read it to the guy, I explain it. It takes about an hour, you know, for me to explain like, yeah, this is the Shema, this is what it means, this is why a mezuzah is, uh, why it's a mitzvah, why it protects the home. You know, people have problems in their house, then that's the first thing we do is check the mezuzahs, get the mezuzahs on, on all the doorposts. And, and, and then I put it up and we sing a little song, Simon Tov and Mazel Tov. At the end of that, that experience, so the guy says, how much do I owe you? So I said, you know, uh, you don't owe me anything, just, you know, but any donation you give to the shul, to the synagogue, greatly appreciated. I will not withhold the pleasure from you of giving a donation to the synagogue. I will not prevent, I won't prevent you from doing so. So the guy writes a check for 180 bucks, gives it to me. I thank him. I give him a blessing, you know, and I walk away and it occurs to me. The only reason the guy gave the $180 donation to the synagogue, which actually wasn't a pure donation because I didn't charge for the mezuzah, right? So it's really like $125, right? So, <laughs> right? so um, was because I brought him the mezuzah and I spent the time with him and I learned Torah with him and I put it up. If I didn't show up that day with the mezuzah, the synagogue would not have gotten the donation. What did this guy do? He gave because he got. And then I realized the truth is that is everybody. Everybody is working on that in some, they're working that way on some level. Now I even tell people like when you're, you know, a guy who's out there looking for a wife. So I say, identify you know, when you're looking for a wife or when your girl's looking for a husband, what are people doing? What are single people doing? They're saying, I have needs and I'm looking for someone to address those needs. So the guy says, I want someone who's pretty. I want someone who's kind and supportive. And I want someone who is going to raise uh, wonderful children for me. And then he searches around and he, the, the whole world and he finds the pretty, kind, uh, future mother of his children. And then that's how, right. That, that's what he's looking for. That's how he gets her because she is good providing that for him. The way he keeps her is by taking care of her needs. Because then what were her needs? She was looking for someone who was responsible, who is dependable, who she could look up to, who will be the good father of her children and uh, handsome too. So, right. In other words, so she was looking for those things. So you start off, you have your needs and then 
you find someone who addresses your needs and then you take care of their needs. And in essence, what is it? It's a give in order to get, uh, or, or get in order to give, give in order to get. It's a quid pro quo in some form, in some fashion. And it might not always be so formalized as I do this for you, you do that for me, but really that's what's going on. The reason you are friends with anybody is because they bring a certain value to your life. If they brought no value, no goodness to your life, then they would be a charity case for you. You would be giving and giving and giving as a charity case. But if you never received anything back other than the good feeling of giving, then eventually you're going to move on to something else, someone else. And, and, that, and that's how it's going to go. So uh, let's say once we can be a little at home with that idea that I am buying a friend, I am stopping and I'm, I'm giving and they're giving back and there's that two-way street going on. Um, so let's talk about what you should look for and what should be on your list. Okay. So I want to, uh, I want to share with you four things, really three of them are important. And then, and then the fourth one is the throw in. All right. So the first one that the rabbis tell us you should look for is you should look for someone who you can learn Torah with. <laughs> now, if you're not religious Jew, you say, oh, learn Torah, what are you talking about? Divine wisdom. Torah is, is the idea that it is divine wisdom. There is the, the book of the Torah. There's the writings and that kind of thing. But the idea is you, you, you want to be with someone who you can grow with spiritually. You can grow with as a person. Someone who is a, a, uh, it helps you be a moral compass. And, and the reason for that is, is there is nothing more bonding than personal growth. And I, I will tell you, my cl absolute closest friends um, were the guys that I was in yeshiva with. Like, you know, you know, from the time I was like 18 to 23, right? Those, those years, 18, right? Those years, 18, 24, those years, and then, and then my various rabbis, I learned so much Torah with them. There's a bond that is inseparable. It's so close because when you go through a, a growth spurt with someone, you're, you're bound to them. You know, got people go in the military and they say, no, I was with that person. I literally was willing to put my life on the line for that guy. And, you know, we, okay. So that's not learning Torah, but, but the, there's other elements there as well. So people you grow with, who you are going to grow with. Now, again, if you are Jewish and you're connected with Torah, well, that's that's great. If you're not Jewish, you're not connected with Torah, then it's it's your personal growth. It's your, you know, your it's very funny. People become very close with people they met in AA meetings. They will become very close with people they, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not just playing tennis. It's that I'm I'm developing my own humanity with another person. And this is the kind of person I want to develop my humanity with because they are. They have integrity. They have. They. They. We have a sense of shared morality. We have a sense of shared altruism and idealism. And I'm going to be because remember, if I'm learning to grow with a person, I'm going to become more like them. So having that that shared umbrella of personal growth, of Torah study, that that is the first thing. Um, you want to be with someone who you will help become a better person, and they will help you be a better person. That's what learning Torah is. Number two is. You want to be with someone you can trust. Now, the primary feature of trust in the Talmud is someone you can share a secret with. So pretty much you're not going to be close friends with a blabbermouth, right? You know, you, the guy you want is the, the person you want to be close friends with. He's the vault. You can say anything to them 
and it stops with that person, which by the way, means you've got to become that person too. Like, in other words, you know, it might be, oh yeah, I, I, that person, they don't say anything. They don't talk, but I talk. No, it doesn't work, right? They'll be your friend, but you won't be their friend, right? You know, this way, you know, you can have someone who you can confide in and someone you can share your, the good news in your life and the bad news in your life. And along the way, just the nothing news in your life, right? You can have a significant relationship with them in addition to just kind of hanging around and having fun with them because you trust them. Third one is the biggest. Third one's the biggest. Quality is you're looking for someone who cares more about you than they care about the friendship. Say this again, it's a little complicated. We're looking for someone who will care more about us than they do about the friendship. So how does it work? Let's say, I'm gonna put you in that position. Let's say that you know that you know, uh, you're friends with a, a person and uh, you and the person, you like to party a lot. So you're out of drinking, a little bit of recreational stuff. But you know that you, you know, it's not good for you, but you're really weak because you really like to do it. And the other person, your friend, it's really not good for them because it's just not really not good for them. They get out, they get out, they got to, they got it as sorts. The person, you know, while you got a beer in your hand or a, you know, a vodka martini and something else that's like, you know, burning in the other hand, right? Okay. Um, the other guy says, Hey, I want to join you. And he picks up a beer. You say, no, 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 not you. You're not, you can't drink. You can't do that. Right. The guy look at you and say, what are you talking about? You got, <laughs> you're smoking this thing in that hand. You got this in the other hand. What are you talking about? You know, don't do as I do, do as I'm saying. I'm telling you, don't, this is bad for you. I'm doing it because I'm a wimp. You know, another example of kosher food, you know, there's a lot of people like this, you know, it's like they say, listen, I, me, I got to eat the calamari and the, 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 and the frog's legs and the, the oysters and the whatever. Okay. So you turn to your friend who's Jewish and say, listen, you should keep kosher. What do you mean? Yeah, look what you're eating. I know I do it, but just because I do it doesn't mean you should do it. And if the, and if you, me, it comes down to rebuking a person, you know, um, and they, they will cut you off from friendship. Um, that is, that's a friend. I one time knew a, a fellow in a, he was a, he was a big business magnet. He was a really big in his company and, um, and he had a partner and there were people in the, you know, in the, in the, in the room and, and they, he was doing all sorts of things that were unsavory. I mean, things that like none of us would really look, look up to. Well, everyone, because he's the, he's kind of the boss. Everyone kind of like we're yes men, oh, kind of laughing about his, his uh, immoral explo exploits. So his business partner said, you know, you can't do this. Like this is going to wreck you. You can't hang around those kind of girls. You can't do that kind of stuff. And it actually led to the dissolution, uh, the, uh, the dissolving of the, of the partnership. But he was the only, his business partner was the only one who loved the guy enough to tell him, you're messing up your life. And sure enough, the guy did not listen to his business partner. And he just hung around the yes people and, uh, and he ruined his life. And, and we have to be, you, you got to be real with that. Like a good friend will rebuke you. And even if it means that you'll get ticked off and say, I don't know, I won't have anything to do with you. So that is, and the throwaway fourth thing is, you know, you need, you do need to spend some time with the person. But listen, if you're learning Torah with the fellow and you're confiding with the person and you're, you care about the person, you're going to be spending time. You'll have some other shared interests 
as well. You'll you'll enjoy your needlepoint sessions and your you know your your mahjong and your tennis playing on Tuesday afternoon. Okay, in other words, you, you'll you'll have some other things that you also care about as well. But I think this is the essence of friendship. And if we if we understand that as as if if I want to find someone who 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 I can learn Torah with, who I can trust, and who cares so much about me that they would be willing even to to trash the relationship for my own for my benefit then I can figure out ways to bring value into their life. And that's what it means by a friend. Now, if that means give them gifts, give them gifts. If it means give them time, give them time. If it means compassion, if it means taking care of their children, if it means helping them out in, in, in various ways, you know, then that's what it means because it will be worth it to us. So the price to pay for such a friend will be very dear. It will be very high. And at the end of the day, we will be glad that we paid for it. Thanks for listening to the Life is Great podcast. Share this with your friends and they will love you for it. If you have questions or comments, please email me at rabbiyitzwine at gmail.com. That's R-A-B-B-I-Y-I-T-Z-W-Y-N-E at gmail. For more content, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you to Dana Rutherford for producing today's episode. And remember, if you decide to make it a great day, then your life will be great. Thank you for listening and being part of the Life is Great community. To keep these podcasts and other awesome programs available for free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation at yiaishlv.com dot org backslash contribute.